0: It was definitely unorthodox. And I walked in and everybody was like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> are, do, you, do you think you actually can do this? Because so I was like, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm going to make it to the Olympics.
1: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of What Makes You Think, the show that flips the traditional interview format, showing you a unique and often funny side to some of your favorite figures in sports and entertainment. But don't worry, we get to some real stuff too. I'm your host, Nicole Langevin, and my guest today made history in 2016 when she became the first Olympic gymnast to represent the Republic of Armenia. And not just that, but she got herself into the code of points at the same time. She is a true star and inspiration to gymnasts everywhere. Guys, this is not a normal path that she took. I can't wait for you to hear it. My guest today is Hori Gabishian. All right, so we have Superwoman herself, Horty Gabishi, joining us today. Thanks for being on, Horty. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about
0: this podcast.
1: So you've listened?
0: I have. I've, I think I've actually listened to all of them, unless you have one that came out like within the past week. I've been trying oh, to prep nice. myself.
1: <laughs> nice. The last one was Nick
0: Ruddock. I have not listened to that one yet, but I do really like Nick Ruddock, so I'll be interested to... Listen he's to what you guys he's awesome.
1: About. I tried to get him to sing and it didn't work out very well.
0: Um, oh, I hope you don't ask me to sing. You can ask <laughs> my boyfriend. He's like, you should never sing in front of anyone. And I'm like, well, take me to karaoke. I really want to do it.
1: That means you need a microphone and an audience because you're not supposed to actually be good. Performance is half the party and you know how to perform. So I think that that needs to happen. <laughs> Nick, I, I tried out the idea of me incorporating the words like whilst and thus in conversation, because it just sounds so cool, but I, I clearly can't pull it off. So you'll have to listen. And let me know your thoughts.
0: Okay. I definitely will. Maybe we can like throw in the Boston accent, me and you, in oh our podcast. To, to yeah, let's, out, just sound,
1: uh, <laughs> let's just sound even worse to the British.
0: Yeah. So, so who was your favorite guest so far? Oh, my favorite guest. I don't know, you've had so many really great ones. I don't know. I don't know if I can name a favorite. I really liked Alicia's. She's always like very straight into the point. I love that. Um, I don't know. You you have so many really cool people. So I hope, I don't know, I could live up to everyone else.
1: <laughs> oh, you will, you will. So speaking of, you know, being from Massachusetts, so you and I do have a connection that dates way before this podcast and way before the things in gymnastics that you're really, truly known for. We we trained together at Massachusetts Gymnastics Center in Waltham. And I'm going to tell you my version. You can tell me from your point of view. But my version was I was a level 10 lifer, as listeners have heard me say that a million times on the show. And there were Always, you know, the the groups of kids that were coming up underneath us. And but there was a small group of level tens that were all in high school. And towards the end of my high school career, middle, maybe, I turned around one day and I see this little powerhouse. I'm like, who the hell is that? And you were 10 years old. And I just was like, she she at 10 years old is is already better than I am at 15 or 16. She is going to rock this. You are a happy kid. You are a hardworking kid. Nothing seemed to rattle you. I don't know if that's actually how it was. And you're like, oh, this, just little workhorse, like doing everything. And I, I, to be honest, I was a little jealous. I'm like, I wish I was, I was that good at 10. Geez. So what, what was your perspective in those days? Like on yourself, on the athletes above you? Like, how did you view all of that?
0: Yeah. I mean, me, like growing up doing gymnastics, I just, I loved the sport. I think like anybody get that gets to the level that we do, you know, we have to love what we do in order to to get where we end up getting. Um, but I just loved it. I loved coming into the gym. I loved working hard. I loved seeing my goals be achieved. Like it was just fun for me to, to do it all, to work hard, to See that that hard work pays off like all of that was was great um so i honestly you know can't even remember that it was work you know that we were doing because i i was with such a really great group um our coaches were awesome um, patrick and she's saying and doc uh, were just the most phenomenal coaches we could have so Growing up in in our gym was wonderful for me, and I remember looking up to you as one of the big girls, quote unquote, big girls, um, <laughs> as older girls, not big right, girls. Um, <laughs> um, and just being like, "Wow, I want to be one of them one day." And so that was that was a little bit of me growing up, and I just loved watching you guys.
1: Oh, we loved watching you. We definitely <laughs> could feel you on our our heels, <laughs> definitely. So. I'm I'm going to let you tell the story that you've told a million times because it's just, it's awesome. I also would like to share my quick version and then I want to hear your quick version back. And then uh, we're going to go into some videos and we're going to go into some conversations to try to show another side of you besides the superwoman Olympian side. Now I want to hear the real story. I want to hear the ins and outs. I want to hear the ups and downs.
0: The ups and downs... Of the journey, I think everybody has, you know, the injury stories, the not quite making it, the feeling unfinished, um, all of that, and that's that's my story. Jo career was was pretty good. Um, I think, kind of routinely, I made it into an alternate spot. So it was, I think, two thousand four, two thousand five. I was an alternate to Jo Nationals, and then I was like, oh, I got to make it to Jo's. And then the next year, I finally made it to Jo's. And then in college, I was an alternate to the NCAA um, national championships. And then I was like, man, I got to make it. And so then my senior year, I finally made it. Um, And then the world championships, I ended up um, competing on a broken foot. Um, I had a stress fracture in my heel that developed a couple of weeks before that was just like it wasn't enough time to heal but it wasn't enough time to train like it was just like not the best Did you know it was broken? I did and it was kind of like you know you're not going to make it any worse if you keep training on it but I you know I couldn't train to the ability that I wanted to and so we kind of just like eh, watered down my routines and it, it was close but not you know good enough and so I ended up making an alternate spot again to the um, Olympic test event. And then ultimately, I was, I think, a third alternate to the Olympics in 2012. And so I was like, you know what, this alternate thing, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. So I moved on. Um, I went to PA school. Um, I became a physician assistant. And then through that journey, I missed gymnastics and I felt unfinished. Um, and I was like, you know what? That, that alternate spot is just kind of eating away at me. Um, I have to go back. And so, like you said, I. Found a gym, I moved to Cleveland, Ohio. I found a gym, Gymnastics World, um, which was phenomenal. The coaches are wonderful. Um, they allowed me to train in their facility um, whenever I wanted, which was great. Um, I didn't necessarily have a dedicated coach to coach me, but there was people there that could help me if I needed you know, a spot here or
1: there. I'm gonna stop you for a second, because yes. I, I have a question. Yes. This, what year was this that you approached gymnastics world in Ohio and said, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Can I train at your gym?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so this was, I was out of gymnastics for three years. It was 2014. Um, Okay. So
1: 2014 was not 2021 where we have this now massive movement of women, adult women doing gymnastics at a high level in 2014. That was still considered, quote, weird. Like, what are you doing? So mm-hmm. how did that conversation go? How did you approach that with them?
0: Um. So, yeah, I was 25 at this point. Um, like you said, I had a full-time job. And so it was definitely unorthodox. And I walked in and everybody was like, are you sure? Like, are, do you, do you think you actually can do this? So I was like, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm going to make it to the Olympics. And they were They're like, are you senile old lady? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, I, I really am. And, you know, I had to get in shape. St- like I did not look like I was in shape. I, you know, I had to start with basic, like four rolls and conditioning and, you know, all of that stuff. And they were just like, you know what? more power to you. If you want to try, we are here to support you. Um, but I, you know, I think when I first walked in, they were kind of like, uh, I don't, good good luck. Um, but as they saw me like train and actually like make my workout plans and kind of see the type of person that I am, that's like very dedicated and very, you know, if there's a, if there's a goal, I'm going to make it happen. Um, they saw that and they were like, man, this girl's going to do it. Like, Let's do it with her. Um, Love that. And so I trained for two years and ultimately made it to the Olympics. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> well, didn't you see
1: a pattern though? You're like, okay, I, I make alternate. And then the next time around I go. That happened over and over and over again. So, you know, obviously you were going to make it, <laughs>
0: right? Obviously. obviously. I wasn't nervous at all. <laughs> you know, I was just like, eh, it's, it's going to be fine. I'll end up there.
1: So how did your training differ from trying to make 2012 to 2016? Obviously you had the broken foot when you were at the tail end of the 2012 run, but how did your training and your approach to training change from one quad to the other? Um,
0: Well, so I was just coming off my college career um in 2011 training for 2012 and I still had my college coaches which were wonderful um and you know they created a plan for me and I kind of just followed the plan Uh, but I wasn't I do have to admit I wasn't all in you know there was a little bit of me that was like this is crazy like there's no way I'm gonna make it to the Olympics and so I think that little bit of self-doubt is on top of, you know, I was injured. Um, but there was always a part of me that was like, this is crazy. Like, eh, this is going to be fun, but I don't know if I'll actually make it. The second time around, I was like, you know what, if I actually give it my all and, and put everything I possibly can into this, I have a shot, like I'm going to do this. And so I did it, you know, it was all on me. I did it for myself. Um, and the training was definitely smarter i mean i was you know 27 when i competed at the olympics so i was a little bit older um but i had all you know i had my all the gymnastics knowledge i gained from that years and years and years of training um i had my medical knowledge to like keep my body healthy um, mm-hmm. and i was just smarter in general um to like listen to what i needed um in order to follow the plan that i think the second time around was a thousand times better, obviously, and I made it, um, but I felt better. I was more confident um, and ultimately I was happier.
1: You looked happy and I can't wait for people to watch your videos if they haven't already of the Rio Olympics and your just pure joy that radiated through the screen and kissing of the equipment. I mean, it was just, it was such a moment and we were all in there with you. And I'm so I'm so glad that you you kept at it. And when you competed in 2016, one of the things that that everybody noticed was how clean your gymnastics was. Now, with the exclusion of the Gabishian Mount, your difficulty was not where, you know, the the top countries were at that time, but you were so clean. And and precise and beautiful and your choreography was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, th- that it was like you you were the epitome of quality over quantity. Like you went out there and you did routines that you hit and that you really couldn't take a lot away from. And if you look at some of the YouTube comments on your videos, which I know sometimes it's hard to read those when you're on YouTube, I've um, actually never read them. <laughs> yeah, there are there are multiple comments about people saying that your um, execution was underscored because oh. it just was so, it was so nice. It was so beautiful. Thank and you, you were, it, I mean, I, you know, you could be in the same shape right now, but man, you were in shape. I mean, I worked with you in person and also watched you compete. And I don't know, I don't know what you mean by smart training, but I have to believe that it had something to do with, with building incredible strength because you, you did that and it showed.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, the goal for like making it to the Olympics was the goal, so when I got there, it was just time to experience it and enjoy it and do the best I possibly could yeah but at the end of the day, I'm really glad that you're saying like people could feel how happy I was because I, oh I wanted God. like the journey for me to get there like yes, I made my plans, yes, I made my nutrition, yes, I you know did the strength and conditioning like I got there, but I wouldn't have gotten there without everybody else, you know, coming with me on this journey, being so supportive, you know, not looking at me like that crazy elderly gymnast, you know, trying to make this dream happen. And I and I wanted everybody in the crowd. I wanted people at home watching to know that I appreciated everything that went into this from everyone um, that was a part of that journey. So it warms my heart that that's how you felt watching it on the screen.
1: Oh, it's it's not just me. So in terms of your routine construction, is there anything that you had set as a goal difficulty wise that you didn't quite reach in time to compete at the Olympics or stuff that you wish you could have done? Or I shouldn't say wish you could have done because that makes it sound like you have regrets, which I hope you don't. But yeah, is there anything that you were kind of aiming to get and you just didn't quite get there in time?
0: Yeah, I, um, I definitely don't have any regrets of the Olympics. Um, I wanted to try and get a double twisting urchenko. Um, so I tried, I tried, I tried, and that's, I guess one thing that's too hard to teach yourself. Um, so, um, that didn't end up working, but I did end up actually teaching myself how to do, um, a second vault. So I learned how to do a cause, um, which is kind of cool, but I think that's probably the only skill that I wanted to try and get um, that I didn't get, and then the other kind of like. Sorry, you
1: didn't. Did you compete the cause though? You didn't. I thought you just did one vault.
0: I at the Olympic test event. I did.
1: You did okay. Yeah. And then why didn't you compete it at the Olympics?
0: Uh because my vertical full was better than the cause. But could you have tried
1: for vault finals, considering that they're two different vaults?
0: So I learned that the hard way, because I did both of them at the Olympic test event. And I, you know, I prided myself on knowing the code this time around. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to know it in and out. I'm going to like be really smart. Um, but you can't do the same entry and you can't do the same exit. So a Yurchenko full and a cause are the same exit. Full tour, and yeah. So, yeah, so I... Um, did them both at the Olympic test event, and I made it into vault finals, which was kind of cool, but I got two points off deduction because they were the same.
1: Like That's I- the stupidest thing I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I get the entry thing, but, Ian, can't we argue that a cause isn't really a complete fool because of the entry?
0: <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. the judge here, so... <laughs>
1: I am a judge. I'm not an elite judge because I'm not allowed to be because I've never been on the national team. But that's, that's a conversation for a whole other
0: you podcast. You can be a judge for Armenia. We'll try and make that work. <laughs> Thank we you. need a judge for Armenia.
1: All right. I'll work on it. So speaking of Armenia, how, how were they in that process, whether it was the first time around or the second time around? And did your, your success and your promise the second time through affect how they supported you and, or, or were involved?
0: Um, they initially were really skeptical, right? Um, I was this quote unquote you know like rich girl from the United States that's just coming in to take advantage of the system and um you know represent another country that I know nothing about, and you know this and like all the stereotypes that you hear.
1: Do they um, know your name?
0: Like, <laughs> like, just feel like I know it it. Well, it's just, you know, that I think it's not just Armenians. I think if you, you know, look back at kind of other girls that now I think it's a little bit more common for athletes um, to represent other countries, but a little like before it was a little bit kind of taboo, like, do you even know anything about the heritage or country or whatnot? And honestly, like I grew up in the States, Um, I, you know. Wasn't as involved in the Armenian community. And so they had a, they had a little bit of backing to be like, who is this person saying that they're Armenian and, and they want to do this. Um, so the first go around, they were kind of like, mm, we'll give you a shot, but we, we don't really thank you. But what would- does
1: that mean? We'll give you a shot. Does that mean like, we'll acknowledge you or we'll do like, what does that mean?
0: They basically were, cause they, we have like a women's program in Armenia. It's not very developed. We're working on it. It's developing, it's getting better. Um, but they didn't, you know, have somebody that's competing at the level that I was competing at. And so they were like, well, you can pay your way. If you can, you know, put your routines together, like we'll register you, but you're kind of okay. on your own. Um, and so at least they gave me that opportunity and they helped me like get my citizenship and and all of that stuff. So at least they believed in me a little bit enough to, to give me that little inch in. Um, but I failed them in 2011 by not qualifying to 2012. And so they were definitely disappointed. And when I came back in 2015, they were like, we're not giving this girl another shot. Like, no way. And I, be- or not 2015, 2014, whenever it was. And right. I like had to beg them and be like, no, I promise Like this time it's going to be different. Just give me a chance. Just register me. And they said, okay, fine. We'll register you for the European championships. We'll see how you do there as kind of like a test. And mm-hmm. then if you do fine there, then we'll register you for the rest and, and see how it goes. Okay. So it was like, as you go type thing. Yeah. yeah. And so I definitely had to gain their trust. Um, and then once I competed pretty well at, at Europeans, um, and they even like threw me into a vault final. Like a uh, story for another day, or maybe later on here. No, I want to hear that. Um, <laughs> um, they were like, you know what, this girl's legit. And the more I, I actually like, they got to know me, and I talked with them. They were like, okay, no, she's she's Armenian. She comes from an Armenian family. Like she's in this not just to take advantage of the system, but to really right. represent our country and to put us in a good light and to help us grow and and all of that. And I think um, as I climbed to the Olympics and even after the Olympics, there was definitely a respect that I gained um, and, and earned and um, definitely have a much better relationship with them now. And I appreciate that they trusted at least to to give me the chance and I was able to prove to them that uh, it was worth it. <laughs>
1: Now, if they if they had not done that, what was there a plan B for you to get to where you wanted to get to?
0: Nope. I mean, <laughs> like you said, like you said, you know, my routines were not of that of the United States. Like there was no qualifying to compete on the US team. Um, and then I had no other backup. Like there's no other nationality that I could compete for. And so the dream yeah. would have been done if they just said, nope, we're not registering you. So it was in their hands a little bit there. And I'm, I'm glad they gave me that opportunity.
1: That's going to give you such a sense of confidence that you were able to convince an entire federation to support something that they had no really no basis or reason to support. You were able to do that. So that's got to give you another superpower if you could do that.
0: Thanks. <laughs> nails. Well, it was also like the challenge was, too, that I was a woman you know, trying to get in and, you know, in Europe, like men, like just men's gymnastics is, is much bigger than women's gymnastics. Just there's that kind of, especially in Armenia, I think it's, it's developing a little bit more though, but there's Mm -hmm. still that, those stereotypes and things like that. So me as a woman and, a pretty independent and strong woman being like, no, I deserve this spot. You know, give it to me. Um, that didn't go over so well um, until they, you know, learned who I was right. and, and kind of earned, like I earned that respect. But that was probably the biggest hurdle was that I was a female.
1: <laughs> right. So tell me about this vault final thing. That you oh my up. gosh.
0: Okay. So I, um, they registered me for European championships and I was pretty much Ready for it. The only thing I didn't have was, I think, like my dismount off beam, uh, which was fine. Um, And so they saw me compete or like saw me warm up, um, saw that I had, you know, pretty good routines. And they were like, you know what? It'd be really great for us if you could make it into a final. And, you know, if you make it into a final, if you end up getting a medal, like the federations get money and like, you know, all of that stuff. And
1: I was like, like, hold on, let me go get my handspring full out of my locker. I'll be right back.
0: <laughs> exactly. I was like, I don't have any other, you know, like I can try and make it into a final, like with my routines. And they were like, no, you're not going to make it into a final routines. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want? Thanks. And they were like, can you, I know. Yeah, I was like, well, I did end up making it into the all-around final. So Haha. Talk about making it in. Just (laughs) qualify all around. There you go. But uh, they were like, well, there aren't very many people doing two vaults. You can make it into a vault final. And I was like, I don't have another vault. And they were like, you just do like a front, front, or do a souk or do something. And I was like, "I, I have not done a souk probably since. I don't know level 9. I don't, when do you do suits? And don't ask and I, me cuz I did a soup for
1: I did a pike soup for like 9 years straight so <laughs> don't ask me.
0: And I, I never did a front handspring vault. And so I was just like, well, I guess I can try. And so instead of training my actual routines when I got there, I had to like learn how to, you know, adjust my steps, figure out how to do a soup and they were like we just need you to do a tuck soup. And I was like, "All right, well, I guess." And this is when I'm like having to prove that I'm worthy to, right. you know, have this spot. So, you know, I'm gonna do what they say. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I figured out how to do my tuck suit. It was whatever, not the greatest thing to do at a European Championships, but I was like, "I'm gonna do it." And I guess my the coach that they gave me um, didn't change the sheet that says that you're gonna do two vaults. So I did my first vault and then I walked back and I was getting ready to do my second vault, which was going to be the soup. And they put up the name for the other person. And I was like, no, no, like I have one more vault. And they're like, no, you don't. And so this coach, he like runs up to the like head table or whatever. And he's like, no, she has two vaults. She has two vaults. And the entire meet stops because, or like I'm the last one or something is going on. And so by the time they figured out, um, I, I don't know if like Steve was the head of Steve butcher was the head of the FIG or whatever. But he came and talked to me afterwards, but, um, he basically was like, yeah, we made an exception. It, you know, there was a one on this sheet. It should have said two. But you can do your second vault. So I'm just like waiting there. It's probably like 10 minutes goes by and everybody. Great build-up out... for a tuxuk, huh? Exactly. Oh my God. It was so embarrassing. And I was just like, oh my goodness, now I have to do this suit and everybody is watching. And so I do this suit And that was that. I did not make it into vault finals. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, well, I did what they wanted me to do, and and that was that, and everybody saw my wonderful suit. But
1: I mean, I just love the idea that like everyone's waiting with bated breath. Like, is she? What is, is she, she gonna about to unveil? Like a the Gabishian too? Like what? What's about to happen here?
0: Nope, a suit That's
1: it. You could call it a tux a double back suit timer. Yeah, yes. that, yeah, yeah. Let's, like let's go back and rewrite history, and that's that's what happened, guys. wow all right so we learned a couple things you can't get into a vault final if you have the same entry or exit Mm -hmm. and you can't teach yourself a Yurchenko double is that does that cover it all
0: truth but you can teach yourself a souk tuck in like a day
1: in a day (laughs) (laughs) you mean a double timer
0: yes yes
1: (laughs) um okay let me just look at my notes here Oh, I know what I wanted to ask him. Mm-hmm. So you came back in, I don't know if it was 2015 or 16. I don't know if it was the year of the Olympics or the year before, but you came to the Starlight Invitational in Boston, which is an a awesome competition hosted by our home gym, MGC, Mass Stars, Waltham. And it was kind of like a homecoming, right? Like that mm-hmm. was, was very It was very so great. And you made a comment to me after the fact Um, I remember you getting there and you were like, I think there are 45 things on your brain and, and the meat was on your brain, but I know that there were a lot of other things because you're you you wanted to make sure to have quality time with the people that you love your master's family you wanted to make sure to you know connect with the judges you wanted to make sure to do right by everybody around you and you're trying to do these routines and you made a comment afterwards about how you felt like you were not laser focused on on what you needed to do in the moment but kind of more peripherally can you talk about that a little bit and talk about what you know why did you feel that way and what kind of changes did you make after
0: yeah, that was, I think, 2016, um, mm-hmm. because I did come back and I did 2015 as like a practice for Europeans, um, mm-hmm. and that one was was fine. But 2016, I um, kind of had all of these like expectations, and I had way more eyes on me, right? Which is my mm-hmm. fault. Like I wanted people to follow the journey. I wanted, yeah. you know, there to be kind of this this, you know, I don't know, charge to. Increase women's gymnastics in Armenia. You know, all of this stuff. So there's so many eyes on me. And I wanted, like you said, like I was at home. I wanted to make the most of this experience. I wanted to see my friends. I wanted to do great gymnastics. I wanted to represent MGC, you know, the best that I possibly could. And um and I wanted to still make it to the Olympics, you know, not get hurt and still right. like there was just like so many things going in my head um, that I learned you can't do it all. You just can't. Like you keep saying like, oh, you're a superwoman. And at the end of the day, you know, I wanted to be superwoman. I wanted to work full time. I wanted to represent our media. I wanted to qualify to the Olympics. I wanted to do the perfect routines. I wanted to be this like face of gymnastics that everybody could look at and be like, wow, she's amazing. And it's possible. And anybody can do it. Um, But it's draining it is draining. You are only one person. And, and that's what I learned from that experience was I want to do it all, but I have to kind of pick and choose and like spend my time in the best way I possibly can. Cause there's only one of me and, um, trying to do it all for everyone is, is taxing. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's, there was still a part of me that I, I wanted to do it all for everyone. And like I said, you know, when I was at the Olympics, I hoped everyone felt like they were there with me. Um, but after that meet, I realized like, okay, if these are my goals, like maybe we pick two or three and focus on them instead of trying to please everybody in one moment and and also do my gymnastics at one time. So I think that was that was that experience, but it was still a great Like I love going back home. I'm coming back home in a week and I'm uh, really excited about it. Yeah.
1: Oh, nice. We'll have to connect. Yeah. So, you know, I always feel like every competition needs to have some sort of learning experience goal so that by the time you get to the pinnacle, which for you wasn't necessarily the Olympics, it was was the test event, right? That's the one. Was it test event or world championships that got you officially qualified?
0: The test event.
1: So the test event is where you needed to be at your best Mm -hmm. to get in, right? So everything leading up to that was for you to pivot or do whatever you needed to do and keep building so that you peaked there. So, you know, I mean, it makes sense that that learning experience that you had happened in the place where you have the most support, you yeah. know, like around your family. And, but sometimes I think we get more nervous around our family and friends because we're so close, but, yeah. you know, from the outside we, we didn't see all of that. Like I get it reflecting back. I'm like, yeah, I, I do remember you just like trying to do all this stuff. But, but as a, you know, as a spectator and as a friend, it was, it was really amazing. Like you were, you were in shape, you were rocking your routines. You had a mistake on bars. You kind of laughed it off and then you nailed it right after. I mean, I think you got a nine, four with a fall off a (laughs) 10.0 start value bar routine. Or nine, four, five, but it wasn't, yeah. it's not a joke. Like, that's how good it was. So, we, we saw all the positives, but I just love the fact that you were able to, to look at that and go, okay, this is an opportunity to, to make yet another change that's going to get me closer to my goal. And I want to share with you when you're at the Olympics, it was when Region Six Congress was happening.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So, there was a buzz because that's your home, Region Six. Yeah. And you were competing while I was speaking. Oh. And so it was during one of my lectures and I told everybody at the beginning that I had already brought somebody in, they're sitting in the front and their job was to watch the feed and let me know when you go up. And we stopped my lecture. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I stopped my lecture. Everybody waited while I watched your routine on somebody's phone.
0: <laughs> oh my god. And then
1: I went back and yeah, it was really, but that's, that's, yeah. that's what was happening at home when you were over there.
0: Oh, well, thank you for making that a priority. I'm sure everyone in the crowd was like, what is she doing?
1: Oh, no, they all knew. They all knew.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, thanks crowd for giving you the two minutes to watch my routine. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. All right. Are you ready to get into some videos? Oh, yeah. You know, I visit a lot of gyms and meet a lot of gym owners and coaches and While everyone's extremely different, there's one thing that keeps coming up as a commonality, and that is people need coaches. And we know that there's a lot of great coaches out there just trying to find the right fit. So I wanted to throw one out for you today. Sun Country Sports Center in Gainesville, Florida is seeking a full-time recreational director in their multi-program family and youth sports center. The mission at Sun Country Sports is for every person to feel better about themselves when they walk out of the doors than when they walked in. Sun Country is excited to offer this fun position in a great environment and with excellent benefits. The director oversees a team of six to eight part-time gymnastics coaches and manages all operations of weekly school-age recreational gymnastics classes, and the benefits include Blue Cross Health Insurance, yes, you get health insurance, company profit sharing, yes, you get profit sharing, paid time off, you know what I'm going to say, and much more. In addition, you don't need to be local to Florida. They are open and willing to help with moving expenses and facilitation of relocation. So apply today at suncountrysports.com backslash jobs. Again, that's suncountrysports.com backslash jobs. This show is brought to you by Creatively Disruptive the marketing team behind your team. You've heard me talk about them before and I'm going to keep doing it because they're amazing. Check them out at creativelydisruptive.com. They can help your gym increase revenue, increase numbers, and help you understand the steps it took to get there so that you can continue to progress this episode is also brought to you by the starlight invitational hosted by the mgc mass stars starlight invitational is an incredibly run i mean i'm talking well-oiled machine competition held at babson college in boston it's for levels three through ten as well as all excel levels it's in a brand new facility it's got great awards great hospitality and in a really cool location if you are interested in registering for this competition which you should be because it's amazing, please do so ASAP because it does tend to fill and especially this year, they expect it to fill very quickly. So check the show notes and you'll find a direct link to the Starlight Invitational. And now back to the show. All right. Are you ready to get into some videos? Ooh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Can you see my screen?
0: Ooh, yes, I can. We are at the 2011 World Championships, and I'm on vault hobbling my way down the vault runway doing an Yerchenko layout because that's all I could get my foot to do. <laughs> um, and I was like, actually, I was really excited because I made that vault. Um, I didn't think I could. Oh, it's the whole thing, it's the whole meat. Oh my yeah, God. Y- go ahead and talk about You can talk about vault. Oh my gosh, I haven't watched this whole meet. I'm a little embarrassed to watch
1: it. Um, Do you want me to keep, do you want me to just let it play? Yeah,
0: just let it play. It's Um, funny
1: that you talk about your foot though, because that little like arm movement hoppy run thing is like, so you anyway. So I can't tell if it's because you're happy or because your foot was hurting.
0: uh, My foot was hurting, but I was happy that I laid it on my feet. That's Um, That's good. So this this is a clear indication that I did not know the code because I did a squat on, which was like so silly. because you can't do a squat on um, in elite because um, I couldn't do my mount. I couldn't jump off the board um, to get to the high bar, but yeah, it was a decent ooh That full in was a little bit pinged off. but I mean I made it. that was fine.
1: And that Uh, was basically your 2016 bar routine without the mount
0: though, right? Correct. It was the exact same bar routine.
1: Well, Uh, I wouldn't say exact same because the the quality that you showed in 2016 of that routine was just gorgeous. I know I've said it already, but.
0: (laughs) Thank you. That was something that was really important to me the second time around was like, the way I'm going to make it is by having clean, consistent gymnastics. And that's what I did. And here, okay, we're watching beam um, and again, I didn't know the code. So I did two split jumps, which you can't do two of the same elements because I messed up my lead pass. Um, So it's very important if there's anybody listening here that are gymnasts learn the code of points. Um, So if you make a mistake, you can be smart and, you know, make a decision in this, you know, split second to do the right thing. So that cost me, you know, five tenths and a connection and all sorts of stuff.
1: Well, it's hard too because you're in the moment, and for so many years you knew the JO code, which is you can repeat an element as long as it's in a different combination. So you're, you know, you're under pressure. You've done this one way for two decades, and now you've got this whole new code. So in the moment, it could it makes sense that you kind of reverted to what what was comfortable and what you knew.
0: Which you make it actually a really good point. The 2011 World Championships was my very first elite international competition. Okay. And so, um, so yeah, I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just hoping for the best here, (laughs) Um, but I stayed up on the beam. I hate all my routines. That was like a plus. Yeah. Um, I'm doing floor now, which is my college routine. I was just hoping and praying that I would land on my feet here. Somehow I miraculously made a double pike um, as my first pass. I didn't have enough. Like oomph in my foot to be able to do my double back as my last pass. So we changed that. Um, I also don't know why my leaps are so terrible. (laughs) Like (laughs) not even 180 splits. At least Uh, you're moonwalking though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's to Michael Jackson for sure. You gotta add the moonwalk in there. (laughs) Um, but yeah, same passes as I did in 2016. Um, but Not as precise. Um, I think actually pretty much all of the skills I competed, except for the Gabishian, um, are the same from 2011, or were supposed to be the same from 2011 to 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so then I'm, you know, just dancing it up, having a good time. And actually, I'm pretty sure the crowd is clapping right now. Um, So they must be watching me.
1: Because Um, you're doing an entertaining NCAA routine, and they probably had no, like, had never seen that before. Um, I would think, I mean, this routine had to be very different than than what others were doing.
0: I think so. Ooh, I think I went out of bounds. Um, but I was just happy to, like, be done. <laughs> uh, see? I'm happy. Yay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Larissa, Larissa this is Larissa Libby's um, choreography, and she, she was, is an entertainer for sure.
1: Yeah, that was very fun. All right, we're going to go to the next one. Hmm, what
0: is the next one?
1: So we are going to go here. I would love to hear the experience of this. You can definitely talk about the choreography. <laughs> just just oh, so it. welcome to talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, just to, you know, what is the difference here? Who is this a different Hori than we saw in that last video? hmm
0: Let's see. I'm assuming it's floor. It is floor at the 2016 Olympic Games. Um, I am just like you can see, like I clearly have a smile on my face. I'm just excited to be out there. Um, I'm definitely in way better shape than here than I was in
1: 2011. You're so strong. I mean, you're wearing a white <laughs> leotard for crying out loud and rocking it.
0: I it was always my dream to wear a white leotard always and so I finally was like you know what I'm fit enough Mm -hmm. I can rock this um that was so high (laughs) thanks and I actually pointed my toes I vividly remember in college my coach Linus would always be like you need to take that landing gear off he would call flex feet landing gear Mm -hmm. um and I could never put my toes and so I was actually really proud of myself to be able to put my toes on that double pike um, I loved this routine. So you choreographed it um, all, like amazingly. I, you know, it's the story of kind of my journey, kind of overcoming, failing, coming back. Like this part is so dramatic. I tried my best to, to make it as dramatic as you wanted it to be. <laughs> um, I actually, I give a little college recruiting lecture and I, I put part of this choreography in there and it's, oh, nice. it's, um, like doubled next to you doing the choreography and I'm like this is what it's supposed to look like oh this stop it I, I tried to make it look like
1: um, um, that turn was wonderful by the way
0: thank you yes.
1: <laughs> nice high releve I
0: yeah I, I really tried to make it an effort to like look at the judges the entire time too because mm-hmm. um Aww. And I'm just so happy. Like I made it. I don't think, yeah, the camera's in my back right now, but.
1: This is the moment right here. It's right when you do this little spit and your face, before your head goes back, you can see it on your face. You're like, I did it.
0: I can celebrate now. I did it all. Oh, I was so happy. And uh, I, I was relieved. I was happy. I just, and like the crowd was going wild. Like they loved it. Um, And I really was like, I don't know why they loved it. And of course I had to kiss the equipment. Um, I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't really figure out how to kiss the floor. So I was just like, well, (laughs) do I just belly flop onto it? Like, what do I do? (laughs) Did
1: you decide beforehand, like, that's the thing I'm going to do? Or was that just your natural reaction?
0: No, I, so I started on bars. Um, Uh I had probably the best bar routine I could have asked for. Um, I hit the Kabyshian and I was just like, this is amazing, and I and I spur of the moment was like, yeah, I gotta hug something. <laughs> like, and so I just like hugged the rail, I kissed the rail, and I was yeah. I was so excited that oh my gosh, it gives my me Olympics sleep. started the way I wanted it to.
1: Yes, and it kept going that way. I, I want to share with everybody <laughs> from my point of view. So you came to when was it was it 2015 starlight that you asked me to choreograph your routine and then you did it in 20 is that how it worked because i just Um, remember you were all business and you were like and you could have you could have called like i don't remember what it was but you were like i'm getting ready for 2016 olympics and i need you to do my routine i was like okay i guess that's what's happening
0: (laughs) i mean who else was gonna do it of course it was gonna be you Like, well that's very yeah. kind
1: uh but it was just i was completely honored and it was it was just so funny you were just like you're telling me how it was going to be i was like oh, okay and <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing
0: <laughs> yeah um i think it was 2015 because i had it at worlds i'm pretty sure yeah.
1: yeah you you had tunnel vision and but that's that's a huge part of how you're able to do what you're going to do. Just like everything was connected to making this dream happen. And I'm 100% so
0: proud
1: to be just a small part of it. And my husband too, doing your music, that was, you know, yeah, it's just nice to, to be a little part of your journey. All right. And you guys that are listening, remember if you ever want to see the videos that we're talking about, just click on the show notes and you will see a YouTube link and there'll be a playlist for each guest. So this moment right here.
0: Oh, yes. I was so nervous. So this is my bar routine at the Olympic Games. I was so nervous because my skill um, is a mount getting onto the bar. And I had actually been falling on it and falling on it and falling on it in practice because I kept hitting my like leg on the low bar. Um, but once I caught it, it was like, man, I just need to just swing. And that's what I did. I swung. I stuck my dismount. I was like, Oh, cloud nine so happy here's where i I kiss oh. the rail i oh my god, i'm just like nothing could go wrong after this
1: that was that was so fun, so did you consider not doing the mount after what was going on? Oh no,
0: I was going to do it for sure I mean it was <laughs> It, like, there was no questions about it. Um, but what I actually learned, again, you, I should have learned the, the code a little bit more, um, was that in a mount, you can't redo your mount, if you like mess up your mount, you can't get up and do your mount again, or something like that, like Nellie Kim was trying to explain it to me. So she was like, if you didn't catch the Gabishian when you did it that first time, you couldn't redo it to get it named after you or whatever like it was like it was it was it and I was like well I'm glad I didn't know that going in yeah no pressure Uh, or something like that I don't know what the rule was but she was like well it's good you made it the first time
1: (laughs) yeah and actually thank goodness you didn't know that beforehand because exactly sheesh all right so can you describe the mount real quick for our listeners
0: yeah it is a hop over mount where you run push off the low bar um, and then you catch the high bar and in between the low bar and the high bar, you do a full like 360 degree spin and then catch the high bar.
1: It kind of defies the laws of physics. <laughs> I have watched that thing. I'm like, where do you I mean, I get it. I get it, but I don't get it. Like, What what made you even think to do that?
0: Um, well, okay. So first I wanted to make it in, like, I wanted my name to like be in the books in some way, which yeah. it was going to be by being the first female gymnast to represent Armenia. But I was like, I, you know, I want something more. And so then I started working the Yercheco double full. Cause I was like, I'm going to make it into a vault final. And then that wasn't working. And so I had about like two months, um, before the Olympics that I started thinking like, maybe I should invent a skill and like, you know, easier said than done. Right. Cause like all the skills are already invented. And so I was like, what am I going to do? Um, and so I just looked through the rule book or the code of points and I tried to find like, okay, is there a, a very, like something that's kind of close to what I do that I can right like change a little bit, you know, add an extra turn or add an extra, you know, who knows? I mean, I can't add an extra flip and twist like Simone does. So <laughs> like, what can I do? Um, and so then I saw that that box, like there was a box below my mount that was just like hop over the high bar without touching it and do a full spin, but there wasn't a touch the low bar, do a full spin and catch the high bar.
1: Oh, which is a lot harder.
0: We- yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think flying over the low bar and doing a full spin and catching the high bar is probably pretty hard,
1: too. I would think that it requires a tremendous amount of power, but that that was not in the code recently. That was in the code when the bars were, like, six inches apart. So, yes, it would be hard to go that distance, but when you're, like, technically speaking, yeah, you get a little more oomph off of your hands, but then you got – your arms are in the way. Like, it's just –
0: yeah, so I started playing okay. around with it. It was, and I like started maybe doing like a half and trying to catch it like a baloney, and that didn't go anywhere. Oh. And, yeah, I would just I would catch it, but I would like end in a dead hang. And so I was like, what the heck am I going to do out of this? Um, and then I actually had my friend Andrea come and visit one weekend, um, just to, like come train with me. And she was like, why don't you just do a bowl? And I was like, well, I guess. And so we start started playing on trampoline. And she would do like belly flop, full belly flop. And I was like a turtle on my back. Like I couldn't figure out how to do a full spin. And finally I I figured it out and it worked out eventually. That's
1: awesome. That's so cool. Congratulations.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Now I just need more people to do it so that it, you know, it becomes the new Yurchenko. Everyone's like, oh, the Kabishian.
1: Oh, that's just what we do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have a question. Okay.
1: How many F-bombs can one person drop in a single lecture?
0: Um, I mean, when the lecture is called Cup Nights, I think you could drop as many as you want. I have known you for
1: so long, and I think I may have heard you swear once, and it wasn't an F-bomb. And I'm watching this video. I'm like, who (laughs) is this dubbed? Nope.
0: Nope. That's our girl yep yep well okay so if we're talking about the same thing it yeah. was it's basically this movement that different speakers come and they talk about the experience where the experiences where they quote unquote fuck up and how like they overcome those like mistakes and how they become better people and you know just grow as humans um and so this is that lecture where I'm basically telling my Olympic story, um, for, like from start to finish, of how I failed and how I, you know, didn't take care of my body, and didn't listen, and then eventually, you know, worked my way up to to make it. So that's that. And of course, you know, I had to throw a couple f bombs in there because you, I think I, title.
1: <laughs> you were 29 seconds in and I already said it three times, and it's also is written at least two times behind you. <laughs> it's like this barrage
0: of <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah my clicker wasn't working and i think i was like oh, ah yeah. I already up, or something like that <laughs> but, yeah no, you definitely look really like that
1: one i'll tell you that
0: yeah
1: i think that is all my main stuff so i just wanted to take a second and let you talk about full-out collegiate recruiting and it's, it makes so much sense now, especially after this conversation. Hearing about how goal oriented you really are, and that that's essentially what you're helping athletes do. Right? They they have a goal, but you you're the one that helps them figure out how to actually get there step by step. Can you talk about that a little bit and and how you got into that?
0: Yeah, so I have a company. It's co-owned with my business partner, Wendy Campbell, both pull Out collegiate recruiting. And we basically guide um, prospective student athletes, high school gymnasts specifically, because that's what we know is gymnastics, with the college recruiting process. Basically figuring out, you know, where's the right place for you, um, how to talk to coaches. Actually, it's mostly just learning how to like develop into a human and communicate effectively via email, social media, um, phone call, college visits, things like that um, to help them prepare, hopefully, for the quote-unquote real world that we all, you, all have to get into eventually. <laughs>
1: do you find, and I'm going to sound so old when I say kids these days, but I'm going to say it, do you find that kids these days actually struggle with that face-to-face communication because everything is, is shortened and texted and tweeted?
0: 100%. So that's why I started the company. Um, I was training for the Olympics alongside high school gymnasts who were like trying to do this college recruiting thing, and they couldn't figure out like why weren't coaches you know jumping to get them on their teams because they were good you know they were good athletes but they weren't necessarily like putting themselves out there and communicating effectively and so I I coached them on that and I was like man we really got to do something to to help these these kids out there learn how to do that and I actually think. COVID has helped that because they yes, they're behind a screen, mm-hmm. but at least it's face to face on a screen. It's not just text message or email or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, but it's still hard to like pick up the when I tell them, you know, it's time to just pick up the phone and have a conversation with these coaches. They're like, Oh, my gosh, what do I say? What do I do? How do I do that? Um, or, you know, when you go on a college visit, you have to be presentable, you have to start conversations, you know, all of mm-hmm. that. And that's, yeah, a little bit foreign, I think, just in general for, for young, um, young adults, but also in gymnastics, you know, we're a lot of athletes are very reserved. Um, we, you know, we're amazing in the gym, but we don't tell anybody, right? Like, I don't like when I was in high school, I didn't tell anybody that I was, you know, state champion for however many years or whatnot. Like there's, the basketball players that are like, Ooh, look at us. look at us." and I'm like, "Man, I'm working my butt off every single day. Like, hey, and I'm not they, bragging about it.
1: They practice for two hours <laughs> over the course of three months.,
0: yes. they deserve
1: all the glory,
0: right, right. Um, and so it's it's working with these athletes to have them have the confidence to talk about themselves um and to feel good about talking about themselves, like not just like, Oh, this is uncomfortable, and this is foreign to me. Um, and so that's a little bit about our company. We really believe that there is a place for everyone to do gymnastics in college. There's so many options out there. Everybody always sees NCAA Division One, and they think, you know, I need that full scholarship. Um, but not everybody is going to be an elite gymnast. Not everybody is going to be a level 10. There is places for, you know, those um, optional kids. There's places for the level nines out there. You know, there's there's so many options. And so if anybody is listening out there that is interested in doing college gymnastics, that watches these videos and they're like, man, I want to be out there. I want to have fun. I want to, I want to entertain. I want to do all of that. Give us a call or an email or find us on social media um, at Fullout Recruit. And we'd be happy to talk with you guys because um, because I love my college experience. It's definitely catapulted me into a whole bunch of things that, that I am now doing. Um, and I think everybody should have should have that opportunity. So
1: yeah. and something I've learned from you, because so you you do presentations for the parents of athletes that attend our precision camps. And what I've learned from you and what I, I tell them is, you know, Get in and learn this stuff now, even if you think it doesn't pertain to your kid because she's either a too young or b not at that level ten rock star or elite level. Because you would be so surprised at how many options there are outside of competing for UCLA, for for instance, right? And Absolutely. and how early it, you can start preparing yourself to market yourself. Essentially, it doesn't mean that you know a nine year old should be talking to colleges and committing but start getting an idea of, of what to do because I have seen way too many times with all the athletes that I work with I've had parents come to me when their their kid is a senior and they're good they just didn't take the right steps leading up to that and then they're in that ocean oh sh- mode and trying to hurry up and it's a shame because mm-hmm. the kid did the hard part the athlete did the work and they are they are that of that quality of of where they'd like to go, but they kind of miss the boat. So yes, I second that. It's very important to to understand all the options. Check out full out collegiate recruiting. I will link that in the show notes. The website will be there. And you said on social media also? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, my last question for you is when I say the word joy, what does that make you think of?
0: So this is actually the only question I prepared. I was really <laughs> excited about it because I was like, she, "I know she's going to ask this one." I was waiting for the shrimp question, but you said I,
1: I gave I gave the shrimp a little break.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Oh thank gosh, they're going to ask me the shrimp question!" But she will ask me what gives me joy. So I know how to answer that. Um, and I'm actually very surprised that nobody has said gymnastics yet, um, and or maybe they haven't. I just haven't heard it. But what brings me joy is gymnastics. This sport watching it doing it being a part of it um everything about it yes there's some negatives um to it but in general when i think of gymnastics when i think about my experiences in gymnastics i love it um i can't have enough of it and i think everybody should have a piece of it um and so it definitely brings me joy
1: that's great and you had you had a positive experience but i know you're acknowledging that not everyone has and i think it's but i think it's important for for people out there to listen that there are good people out there there are good coaches out there i, I look at my experience at math stars with patrick and chasing and doc and you know i i felt respected and i felt driven and yeah it was hard but that's cuz you're know, trying to do <laughs> hard stuff hard stuff um, for sure but I yeah, I want to publicly thank Patrick Palmer and shi sing Mao and our our beloved Dr. Joe Massimo, who is no longer with us in, in the physical form, um for for being the good guys and providing such a wonderful safe space. I are you crying because I'm
0: crying. I know. Ugh.
1: Um a, a safe and productive space for for us to continue out into the world. So thanks guys.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs>
1: All right. I will let you go. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for the inspiration and uh, hopefully we can talk to you again.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This has been really fun.
1: Thank you. Bye. Well, that's going to be it for today. I want to thank Hootie for the walk down memory lane and for sharing in detail her unorthodox and nothing shy of amazing journey to the Olympic Games. Kind of makes you feel like you can do anything, right? If you want to hear even more content and see even more content, please make sure to follow me at Nicole Langevin Consultant on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow this show on Twitter at YouThinkPod. You can also see events that I am participating in or holding if you go to precisionchoreo.com backslash registration. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review. I know you hear that phrase a lot, but the reason you hear a lot is because it makes a big difference. I hope you guys are enjoying the show, the full episodes, the mini-sodes, and it looks like many of you have stumbled upon our playlist on YouTube, Gymnastics Conversations, that can be found at youtube.com backslash What Makes You Think Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe there as well. You know, the show is a ton of work, but being able to sit down with such incredible people and have these conversations and then share them with you has made it so incredibly worth it. And it might seem like there's a big crew behind all of this or maybe it doesn't. But it really is just me doing the booking, the research, the interview execution, the editing, and the promo creation. My husband, Derek, creates the music, and our wonderful friend, Keith Larson, does the sound mixing. And that's it. And we want to keep this going. So I wanted to let you know about our Patreon page, where you can show your support for us and help us continue to do this. And in return, you'll get things like special requests, shoutouts, Q and A's, and even a one-on-one phone call. So check out the Patreon page and you can find the link in the show notes. Thanks guys. And until next time, keep thinking outside the box. Bye.